Bonjour, film lovers. Did you know that you can subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher Radio? We also have a website, realnerdspodcast.com, where you can find cool articles and other ways to listen to the podcast. You can also follow us on social, Facebook at Real Nerds Podcast, and Twitter and Instagram at Real Nerds. You can also call us at 720-6NERDS5. We will listen to it, we will play it, and we will probably commentate on it. Also, email us at realnerds at gmail.com. Anyway, enjoy the episode. This is Real Nerds Podcast, and for over 10 years, the Real Nerds have been podcasting our experience of the movie of the week, something like that. <laughs> I'm Ryan, on Zoom, with Zach. Hello. And Brad. Yep. Hey, Brad, did you beat Zach's all-time consecutive record this week? Ooh, I might have. Let me check. I think it's this week. It's either this week or next. I mean, I... I... Um, can I can I use that excuse that that, that that other idiot used for his own purposes? Fraud, fraud. That's it. Yeah, fraud, fraud of the polls. Um. <laughs> let's let's see. Last week was Psycho Gorman. Yes, last week was Psycho Gorman. Ooh, yeah, I'm tied. This week I oh. tied him. All Sorry. right, so so you, I need you to hang on for one more week, Brad. Okay. Yes, <laughs> that's all that matters. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, Brad. Nothing can go wrong. Everything's going to be okay. Oh wait, Brad, Brad. Oh my God, Kevin Eastman is going to have a secret super screening on Monday of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles the movie, and it's only for Brad's, dude. Well, I mean, I'm, I have to, I have to live through at least next week, so that that's. <laughs> It's like just icing on the cake, really. Yeah, exactly. So, so no, but you have to. It's it's at the same time as we normally record, around that six o'clock to nine o'clock range. So you've got to make a choice. No, <laughs> I choose. I choose neither. <laughs> <laughs> he just plays is by his own rules. <laughs> Okay, Ryan, I guess then after we record, you and I are just going to go to that Kevin Eastman screening because we could just change our names to Brad. <laughs> uh, but if for some reason, I don't make it. Uh, Zach is only two consecutive weeks ahead of you, Ryan, for the next record. Oh, man. So neck and neck between you two. What would be the other... Wait, is, so there, there's another consecutive record on top of the consecutive record that I'm currently about to lose? Well... Like, hypothetically, say, like, you know, I break yours, but the next week I miss, and then suddenly, like, that streak ends. Uh-huh. You're back to being the next one who could possibly... Oh, I gotcha, 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 gotcha. I mean, so, like, if you miss a week, yeah. I mean, I guess you could miss a bunch of weeks, too, and then Ryan would just catch up to you, but, like, if I fall off, like, you're next in line. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out when I'm going to be able to watch whatever we watch next week amidst everything going on this coming weekend. So, but I, I found a way to do it this weekend, so I'm sure I'll be fine. I'll be there for so, you. On, on real nerds, we go see a new movie every week. This week we saw the little things. Stay tuned to the other episode. We'll tell you, if you should see the film, play yeah. the film, then spoil the film. Uh, we also talk about movies. We've been watching movies that are coming out on Blu-ray movie news, general musings, and usually we go around town, but I'm going to give Zach an oppor- 
uh, a little bit of time to plug uh, what he's been up to. Uh, Zach, <laughs> what are you doing this weekend? Oh, oh um, uh, no, I'm, I've been fortunate to be given an opportunity to do a panel on the uh, career, the cinema career of Jack Benny, who is a comedian that I talk about way too much on this show and it needs to stop. Uh, That's why I created another show so that I could just do that. But um, originally it was going to be a presentation with two participants coming in, chiming in every so often. Um, And then uh, we lost one of the guests. So I was going to kind of give more time to the one panelist who was coming, who is Dr. Kathy Fuller Seeley. She is an author of a book called Jack Benny and the Golden Age of American Radio Comedy. Um, And um, then in the midst of emailing all my presentation material, which consisted of 21 pages of notes, um, I received a email from uh, the convention organizer who was my guest on episode nine of yesteryear. And she asked if I would want to have reach out if she should reach out to Leonard Malton. And I didn't think she was serious. So I said, well, the day I can interview Leonard Malton will be the day that I learned to fly. Um, And then she emailed me the next day saying, I thought you'd say that. So I sent him an email and I was like, "Um, okay. Um, And through the course of the week, um, he responded with a yes Uh, I sent over my research materials and yesterday we got a confirmation that he uh, received the materials, was happy with them, doesn't want me to change anything, thinks this will be a fun panel. So I'm going to be talking to Leonard Malton on Saturday, February 13th at 3.15 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. So that's 4.15 p.m. uh, uh, Denver time. Um, And uh, yeah, so that's... uh, this so, has been an interesting week. <laughs> so, Zach, is it because Leonard Malton saw your presentation and says, I want to be in on that because this guy obviously knows a lot? I, I'm not sure of the exact answer. I guess we're going to find out about that. Um, because it's – I mean, I'm guessing if it has to be because it's an all-weekend convention, right? Yeah. Um, so he kind of gets to pick where he'd want to go. Right. Well, I think he – I don't think he knew about the convention. To be full, to, to be fully frank, like – the convention has been the effort of a lot of grassroots because the last time this Benny fan club had a convention was an in-person one. And it was back in the early two thousands. So realistically, I don't know if any, everybody knew what was going on. I can confirm, like there were other guests that were already confirmed. So like Harry Shearer is going to be there on Friday night because he was a cast member of, the Jack Benny program on radio and television when he was a kid. And we're also having Phil Harris's daughters or one of his daughters, um, Eddie Rochester Anderson's uh, daughter, um, James Stewart's daughter. Uh, and uh, we're also going to be having a lot of different experts and people who were on the show at the time, even before the fifties. So my guess is, is that when she reached out to him, this is, based on a love for Jack because it's, I mean, it would make sense that Malton loves Jack. If you read his book, the great, the, the great American broadcast, um, he, uh, he talks a lot about Jack in that book has a lot of interviews with different sound effects, men, different writers um, throughout the history of radio. And Jack has mentioned a ton in that book. So I can't imagine him not having a love for Jack. And I'm going to be, you know, you have one, you have one goal too in this whole 
thing you're doing. Okay. What is, is it? to after it's all done and say, you know, and Leonard, if you want to come on my other podcast called Real Nerds, we'd we'd love to have you. <laughs> It'll be the first <laughs> thumbs down he gives. <laughs> No, I, I, I don't know. Like, we'll see where everything goes. Um, like right now, my goal is to put on a very good presentation that oh, geez. you'll enjoy. But it doesn't help me by you doing a good job. Okay. That is true. That is true. So you're at saying, least wear a fucking real nerd shirt. Okay. I'm, oh yeah. That's already been the plan from day one, Ryan. I told you that. You like your all, polo. Make sure it's the logo. I don't have the polo. I never got the polo. Oh, fuck. Well, make I sure you can this. see the- see the logo <laughs> yeah i'll make sure that i can everybody can see brad's neat designs and t-shirt designs and whatnot um then when leonard malton says what's the real nerds and then you can tell him and then you say well you're always welcome on the show wait why would i laugh right afterward <laughs> because it's like because he's lying you know, he wants him on ballyhoo instead <laughs> fuck Great. that a man. Have nothing if it wasn't for real nerds. Nothing I tell you. You duplicitous son of a bitch. Actually, it is true. I would probably recommend he come on this show before mine because I wouldn't be having this opportunity if it wasn't for you guys. I think I have expressed. Yeah. I've, I've definitely expressed that more than once in very heartfelt and sincere sentiments over the years. Um, so now you get to hear it again. Yeah, I wouldn't be having this opportunity if you guys hadn't uh, picked me up off my ass four or five years oh, ago. No. So. Uh, your love for Jack Benny um, carried you through this. Yeah. So we're probably no, it's, it's, it's more the confidence thing. That's what I'm saying. It's more the confidence thing. <laughs> I, I do giving you uh, AJ Archie guy's panel would play dividends for you in the future. Uh, you know, it's fun. Uh, can, I, can I bring up something about that, by the way? I didn't realize how many people were really into that Riverdale show. And I'm, I'm flabbergasted. There are people I work with at my day job who like, I told them that I showed them the photo of it, which their first reaction was that's you because it was when I was like super big. But the second one is, is like, Oh my God, that was so much fun. Like, do you watch the show? And I'm like, I watched enough to get ready for the panel and it seemed like fun. And they're just like, Oh, it's so good. I'm like, really? Okay. I guess I got to, Finish up this show. I like Lou Perry, like, but hey, what's he up to? Well, Ryan, that's mean because he's passed away. <laughs> oh, so he was really. But you know, you know what? He, his greatest final role, to my knowledge, will be Lancer in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, and it has, and he gets to be there at that wonderful moment when Leonardo DiCaprio suddenly changes his voice and goes, before I aim this little picture down a whale. <laughs> Still my favorite delivery in that movie. But anyway, yeah. If you want to come to the convention, there's a suggested $25 donation, although nobody's going to be tur- turned away due to the lack of funds. So, But if you want to support this cause and the people who have been working on, hard on putting it together, uh, anything you can will help. But it is an all virtual convention. isn't bad. Yeah, it's not bad for all the guests that you get to interact with. You get access to the whole convention. Um, there's also going to be some recreations of not just Jack's show, but also Burns and Allen by um, the Atlanta Radio uh, Radio Revival League. Um, I'm, I'm sorry that I'm getting – I might be getting their name wrong, so I apologize. But it's – I just got off of work and just came here. So, But anyway. Um, 25 yes, bucks own- and I get to show Leonard Malton my wiener on Zoom? Great. I don't think they're going to be allowing that kind of access. Aww. I would hope not. But um, 
I, I there's no screen like, big enough for it. Yeah, yeah thanks, buddy. <laughs> I told I told Laura if some guy named Brad ha- uh, says I have hot dogs for the panel, I told her to block him immediately. So, um, but anyway, yeah, thank you guys for um, allowing me to plug that. Also. Nope. Really quickly, there is some tangible news for that. Ryan's going to be on the next uh, one of the next Ballyhoo reviews talking about to be or not to be. And Mr. Brad will be on board very soon to talk about Batman 1966. So, um, uh, quick question Are we just doing to be or not to be, or also my man Godfrey? No, I already did my man Godfrey with okay. um, Phil Vecchio from uh, Mandarian you, Orange Show. You know what? Then fuck you. Okay, Zach? Oh, wow, wow, wow. I gave you one of my favorite films of all time, Ryan. This should be an honor for you. <laughs> um, all right. But, but oh, well, well, we'll get into it. Because I actually rewatched My Man Godfrey after recording that episode in the one we've been watching. I'll talk a little bit about it. But. Cool. Anyway. Good, yeah. uh, good luck, Zach. Do us Thank proud. You. Do yourself proud. Keep up the I good shall. work. I shall. Um, this is some movie news. It's real news. Um, I'll start off some positive. Um, well, God, is there positive? Um, if for okay, here's some positive. If you are uh, in an area that has movie theaters that are operating at a safe capacity, yada yada yada, you can watch the Lord of the Rings trilogy in IMAX this month. Uh, right now, they are currently playing Lord of the Rings: The Fellowship of the Ring. Uh, and it looks like that uh, the rest of the series will be following uh, accordingly. So, um, yeah, uh, it's never been on IMAX before, so now's your chance to do this. Uh, and then, let's see. Uh, Steven Spielberg thinks that movie theaters will survive the pandemic. Uh, he said in an interview, he had a full statement, in the current health crisis where movie theaters are shuttered or attendance is drastically limited because of the global pandemic, I still have hope bordering uncertainty that when it's safe, audiences will go back to the movies. I've always devoted myself to our movie-going community, movie-going as in leaving our homes to go to a theater and community, meaning a, fe- meaning a feeling of fellowship with others who have left their homes and are seated with us. In a movie theater, you watch movies with significant others in your life, but also in the company of strangers. That's the magic of the, we experience when we go out to see a movie or play it or a play or a concert or a comedy act. We don't know who all these people are sitting around us, but when the experience makes us laugh or cry or cheer or contemplate, and then when the lights come up and we leave our seats, the people with whom we head out into the real world don't feel like complete strangers anymore. We've become a community alike in heart and spirit, or at any rate, alike in having shared for a couple of hours a powerful experience. That brief interval in a theater doesn't erase the many things that divide us, race or class or belief or gender or politics, but our country and our world will feel less divided, less fractured, and after a congregation of strangers have laughed, cried, jumped out of their seats together all at the same time. Art asks us to be aware of the particular and the universal both at once. And that's why of all the things that have the potential to unite us, none is more powerful than the communal experience of the arts. Um, yeah. So Mr. Spielberg, uh, obviously very, very confident, um, hoping against hope that the theatrical business will survive. 
Uh, following this statement, he said, I'll be right here, and then got into a big old ship and took off for God knows where. Um, but I'm sure he'll be back. Um, you know, it's, I, I, I've been, um, I have, a, I don't know if you guys sign, you can sign up for um, COVID alerts. Um, and so I always get the updated numbers. And yesterday it dropped below 100,000 um, new cases. So, so <laughs> we're making some progress. So let's uh, continue to mask up, social distance. And Zach, I think you're coming up pretty soon for the vaccine for uh, uh, grocery store workers. Really? Ooh. I think you're a part of 1.B2. And that's with teachers and uh, with you. I know in our county, they're starting that um, this week. Really? So, Okay, yeah. so I'll start getting the back. Quick question. Have you gotten your second round of it yet? Yeah, I got it uh, 18 days ago. Did it make you feel crappy at all? I'm just curious. No. Um, okay. my uh, The first one I kind of did, but it wasn't too bad. Uh, Laura got her second one the same day, and she couldn't get out of bed. Okay. But hers only lasted, feeling like that, maybe 10 hours, and then she was fine. Okay, for sure. But yeah, no, I will be more than happy to receive the vaccine because vaccines are here to save us and not to, you know, the insert comment about some people. Uh, but anyway. And, uh, and but, they, you know, they submitted the Johnson & Johnson single dose to uh, the FDA for emergency use. So maybe we'll get a single dose one soon, too. When, when do I get mine, guys? Uh, well, no, well, you right? can work from home, so you can go F yourself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mr. I get to hang out with my chinchilla all day. God damn it. You mean guys who stay at home all the time or briefly go out to look for toys? Don't don't get up higher on the list. <laughs> oh, I didn't know you went out to look out for toys. Yes. That, you are dude, you should, are you kidding? You should have gotten yours before, Ryan. <laughs> yeah. I know. I'm like interacting at Target all the time. I like I deserve the vaccine. <laughs> that's that's the hierarchy. It's people who go to Target, cops, first responders in the medical field, <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, dogs and then grocery store workers. <laughs> I provide a very important service of locating hard to find toys for other shut-ins who can't get out and find them themselves. <laughs> Thank not, you, Brad. <laughs> but but not but not for children. You don't assist children in this effort. The ones who would probably want a toy amidst all the depression. <laughs> I don't know. Today I uh I went to GameStop to get a uh, controller for Kellen because he wanted to I bought Smash Brothers uh, with Christmas money, and I haven't even opened it. Finally. I know. And so um, Callan really wanted to play it. So I went to uh, GameStop, and they had another one of the Gwen Stacy figures that came out. So I got it because you can replace her head with Mary Jane's head, which I guess just means that Spider-Man's girlfriends are interchangeable. And right now I'm looking at it, and it's kind of weird that they have the same body and different head. I'm just saying. Um, Peter Parker has a type. He does. Um, super hot. Uh, <laughs> but, man, uh, so I went to GameStop, and they didn't even have any, um, you know, for, for Kellen, I didn't want to get him a Joy-Con because, one, they're $80. And um, I was like, you know what? I'll get him one of those um, pro pads that are, like, wired but have the 10-foot cord. Cause they're only like 30 bucks and GameStop only had uh, this orange one. I go, what the fuck is that? So I went across the street to Best Buy and 
they have a really cool Mario one that was on sale for 10 bucks off. So it was 20, it was 15 bucks. And it's dope. It's like uh, white and silver on the top with Mario in it and the bottom's red. It's pretty awesome. It's going to get dirty so fast. <laughs> yeah. I saw your picture um, and I saw the cord and I was like, man, remember cords? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, controller. You know, I, I, if Kellen played the Switch maybe more, I'd consider a wireless one, but I'm not going to spend a $60, $70 on a wireless for him. Yeah, no, it makes sense. <laughs> and the controller works fine. Um, but man, I I didn't know in that you, it, you they come with you only start with eight characters. <laughs> like fuck. Yeah, I told you. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna take forever to unlock them all. Yeah, like it takes so long. Yeah, just know that if you uh if you get assigned a boss and don't beat them, you can uh go like there's there's this back door in the menu that you can uh try again at. <laughs> Ryan, can you answer a question for me? What's a Joy-Con sure. controller? Uh, it's the standard controller that comes with uh, the Wii. I mean, the Wii, the Switch. Oh, uh, okay. So it's two, like it's a controller that can uh, come apart. So you can actually use um, either side of it. But it doesn't seem to be that comfortable to play with the little. They're like really small okay. uh, Smash Brothers with it. Okay, um, I got you. I was just curious because I'm trying to get hep on the lingo so that when I get a console or whatever, I can be like, yeah, I know where the games are that are with it. Dog. Yeah, you know, when I was, I was at Best Buy and I was just thinking how smart Nintendo is to advance um, their systems. So the 3DS has been around for, when did that come out, Brad? Maybe 12 years ago? Yeah, Maybe. 2011. Oh, yeah, because yeah, that's when I got Zelda. Actually, it might have been 2010. Yeah, 11, 10, 11 years. But they just discontinued them, and now you can just get a Switch Lite is their new handheld. So now you basically make a handheld that is already running off your new games. It's pretty ingenious. I'm like, what, like, why wouldn't you hold out like another hundred bucks and get the one that actually docks with your TV? That's like, oh yeah, no, I agree. Definitely um, to me. But you know, talking to, uh, I know some friends uh, and she's a teacher and you know she doesn't have that much money and her kid really wanted a switch so she, that's what she got him as a switch and a couple games for the same price um so i, I can see why parents might do that it's funny yeah, in a world where like people are willing to pay six hundred dollars for like a ps5 i know. You know that yes there's still people who are like can i even get a hundred dollars for a handout <laughs> It's it's crazy too. I haven't even seen a PS5 in the wild yet. Yeah, me neither. Plenty of controllers. Well, they, they might yeah. still be they might still be hibernating, guys. Just relax. <laughs> but I was reading too that they're starting to put them in stock where people can buy them in stores, not just online. Um, you know. So how much is it? How much is it going to be? Uh, it's five hundred bucks for the physical version. You can get a, hmm. a digital only um, one. And it's four hundred, but I mean, who wants a digital only thing? Not a me. Digital, like a digital only PS Five. Yeah, so you can only download games. You can't use discs. Okay, that sounds silly. You know, I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, you know, they have those signs that say, you know, don't don't bother asking us. They're not here buying. They like they're only available online, and mm-hmm. like 
you know, they're saying like, basically we don't want you in the store. Like stop. Yep. if you want a PS5 or an Xbox, stay the hell out of our store. Like we're, we, we're not going to give them to you. It that's how they out. used to, that's how they used to keep me out of uh second and spin in general. When it was still around, they just say, we yeah. don't have any Jack Benny movies. Don't even try. Contrast with the past were like exactly. those stores would kill to have that kind of traffic. Really? Well, in these unprecedented times, we must, I don't know, buy it online. I don't know. I'm just still trying to wrap my head around the idea of a, a digital-only game console. That seems weird. I mean, yeah, I guess it makes sense. Like, that's the future, but... Yeah. feels I mean, depressing. Ryan, this is depressing. Your, your phone is... Continue movie news, then. Your phone okay. has been a yeah. digital-only console for years. Yeah, but... Your mom has been a digital only console. Anyway, um, hey guys, guys, do we really care about the Golden Globe nominations? Nope. No. Well, too bad. I'm gonna say them anyway. <laughs> uh, so uh, in a in a very strange fucking year uh, for uh, any uh, film lovers, let alone for the award season. Your best picture motion motion picture drama nominations are Nomadland, Mank, The Father, Promising Young Women, and The Trial of the Chicago 7. Your best motion picture musical or comedy is Borat's subsequent movie film, Hamilton, uh, Music, Palm Springs, and The Prom. Um, there's also like varied nominations. Amongst many of them, actually, Chadwick Boseman made some history by gathering several posthumous nominations, not the least of which for his performance in Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, but also he received some nominations for his work in The Five Bloods. Um, so, yeah, uh, some nice, uh, interesting nominations here. And I guess in a surprising turn, James Corden has been nominated for a Best Actor Award for The Prom. I have no idea what The Prom is. This sounds like something I'm not going to care too much about. Um, so yeah, uh, those, those are your Golden Globe nominations and your, if you're interested in award season, there's your guideline into, uh, what might be ahead for you guys. Um, and then, uh, in, in even more positive news, looks like Edgar Wright and Kevin Feige are friends again, because Edgar Wright was just like, I'm just going to email him and bury this hatchet. And so, yeah, I don't know what that'll mean, but it's nice to know that, uh, the, their experience, on the Ant-Man of it all did not um, totally burn all the bridges in the world. So who knows? Maybe we can see Edgar Wright give a, uh, give a, do, do some Marvel stuff down the line. Who knows? I don't know. Probably not. He seems like he's more into uh, doing his own thing, which is good. Um, and then. Doo, 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 um, this is, this is one that confuses me. So Mattel is a company that makes board games and such. They're also um, responsible for several different movie adaptations. Uh, And now they're going to make an Uno movie with a rapper named Little Yachty, uh, who I'm not familiar with. But uh, I guess, um, yeah, this movie is going to be take place. It's going to be set in the underground hip hop scene in Atlanta, Georgia. So... I'm I'm confused, guys. I don't remember how to play Uno, but does any of this mesh together? I have no idea what the end result is going to be. I, well, but, we, but but like, why? Like, what, what did I do wrong? Like, 
Brian, did I not eat my vegetables enough? Did I not like say my prayers at night or whatever the fuck? Like, why is this happening? Ugh. I don't get it. I don't get it. I'm gonna, here, I'll, I'll find something else. Um, we've got a writer for the Marvel um, reboot of Blade. Um, and it looks like that the uh, reboot will be done by the Watchmen writer Stacy O.C. Kufor, uh, who's written for HBO's Watchmen. Uh, so, yeah, no other real news beyond that. But I'm glad that they've got the ball rolling on, the, on a Blade reboot because I remember when they announced Mahershala Ali to play Blade and I got really excited. Um, yeah. And then uh, let's see. Uh, there was a podcast series uh, produced by Rachel Maddow about Spiro Agnew called Bagman. And it looks like now Ben Stiller is going to be producing a film adaptation of that. Um, this covers, of course, uh, the scandal that Spiro Agnew found himself in during 1973, kind of in the midst of the whole um, or like near the beginnings of the Watergate scandal. So, yeah, uh, I have not heard this podcast series, but it sounds interesting. Like, might want to check it out. Uh, and then, uh, last but not least, we had two deaths this week. One came off the wire not too long after we recorded our last week's episode. Uh, Mr. Hal Hallbrook passed away at the age of 96. Mr. Hallbrook is primarily a kind of a character actor who's kind of wandered in and out of films throughout the course of his life. He was most known for playing Mark Twain. Uh, in uh, Mark Twain Tonight, where he won a Tony Award for it, and he would continue to play Mark Twain uh, for a a big majority of his life. Um, As far as his film roles are concerned, he's in the number one film of 1980, The Fog, playing Father Malone. And he is also Lieutenant Briggs in Magnum Force, starring one Clint Eastwood. Uh, And arguably, considering the fodder that would happen in the Dirty Harry series after Magnum Force, he is obviously the second best villain of the series. Um, He is also Deep Throat in All the President's Men. (laughs) Yep. Wow. Really, Ryan? (laughs) I guess. You know what? It was there. Um, But also, uh, one of the things is that he was nominated for an Oscar for his supporting role in a movie called Into the Wild. Um, which I've still never seen because I really like that book and I don't want to ruin my view of that book with the movie that Sean Penn made, but I've heard he's really good at it. Um, so yeah, 96, life well lived, a lot of memorable performances that we can look back on. I still love him in The Fog. He just looks like he's been, th- he, he looks like all of his, his whole religion has been a lie or like his whole life has been a lie and he just can't process the fact that pirate ghosts are about to kill him and the rest of the townsfolk. Um, and then the big, big one, even bigger than Hal Hallbrook was Christopher Plummer passed away at the age of 91. Um, Christopher Plummer. Um, if I, I, it's, it's kind of like redundant, but sound of music, Star Trek six, the undiscovered country. Uh, he won his Oscar for beginners. Uh, not too, uh, but actually, shit, 11 years ago. Um, and most recently was seen in the wonderful film Knives Out. Um, he was also in animated films over the years, such as An American Tale, Up, he's really good in Up, The Velveteen Rabbit, David the Gnome, Madeline, and Rock-A-Doodle. Um, so yeah, only Canadian to ever win the Triple Crown of Acting, which is the Oscar, Emmy, and the Tony. And this is revelation to me. Christopher Plummer's Canadian? Okay. Neat. That's freaking dope. Yeah. Also, I just remembered The Insider, 
He's in, or no, not insider. Um, he's in the insider, but um, wasn't he? He's an inside man, isn't he? Or am I thinking uh, of some? Thinking I think of, you're right. I don't remember. I know he's in Malcolm X because he plays the priest that gets into an argument with Mister uh, Mister Denzel. Um, but yeah, um, yeah. I I actually I was kindly reminded of his role in Star Trek Six, and I fucking love him in that movie. He's freaking amazing in that movie. Just quoting Shakespeare up the wazoo, overselling it in the best possible way. Um, well, Ryan, are you alive? Yeah, sorry. Okay. But anyway, yeah, so 91, a long, long legacy fulfilled with many memorable roles that uh, everybody will cherish to the end of their days. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you will be missed. Uh, Mr. Plummer and Mr. Hallbrook. And that is news, unless I missed anything. I think you got it. Yeah, bummer. Yeah. I mean, they've been around a long time, though, so they've had a very long, fulfilling life, and they left their mark and will always be able to go back and watch them. To be or not to be? That not is to the be. question. No, well, no, 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 no. I'm Star, Star Trek 6, Undiscovered Country. You want yep. when when Arnold dies, we'll do that. <laughs> Not now. But never, Arnold fully, will never die. What? What was that, Brad? I was gonna say you never fully appreciated the Klingon until you've heard it into the, uh, or you never fully appreciated Shakespeare until you've heard it in the full Klingon. Yep. Oh, it's amazing that way. Remind, make a note: no Romulan ale during diplomatic meetings. <laughs> Oh, and also I do love when he spins around in his chair and goes, cry havoc and let loose the dogs of war. <laughs> oh, God. All right, that's news. We watch movies throughout the week. Oh, wait, actually, let's do Blu-rays first. DVD releases and Blu-rays. Make more sense. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's start off with the new release, uh, Freaky. Movie from last year uh, that I think we all pretty much enjoyed. Uh, it's yeah, coming my number seven, eight. Don't remember. It, I came close to my list, and uh, you can get it now on Blu-ray. I kind of wish there was a 4K of it, but whatever. Um, and then Paramount Classics, uh, which has been a label that's been putting out movies again in 4K, uh, is putting out. I mean, this is the greatest classic of all time, guys. 2005's Elizabeth Town, starring Orlando Bloom and Kirsten Dunst. Um, the only thing I remember about that movie is that it shows a house getting blown up and it's pretty fucking cool. Um, and then on the new release front, a movie called Greenland with Gerard Butler, which I have no idea what the hell that is. It looks like Gerard Butler is about to get hit by a bunch of meteors while hugging his child and his wife looks concerned. Um, so yeah, I guess Greenland, if you want to check that out. Um, in 4K, you can pick up Elysium. Uh, with Matt Damon, directed by Neil Blomkamp, um, if uh, if that's to your liking. Um, Paramount Classics is also putting out Love Story from 1970. See, that makes more sense than Elizabethtown. But maybe there's a following for Elizabethtown that I don't understand. And maybe I just need to rewatch it. I don't know. Cameron uh, Crowe film. Do like yeah, Cameron Crowe? Yeah, I guess so. Cameron Crowe's fine. He's fine. But I, I need to I guess I need to pay more attention to him. I do like Almost Famous. It's fine. Um, 
And then My Bloody Valentine from 1981 is getting a steelbook version of its Screen Factory release. Uh, it's pretty cool. There's a lot of hearts floating out of a dead body that the miner from My Bloody Valentine has uh, pickaxed to death. But yeah, check that out if you like. Um, this is a movie that I am curious about, even though it's from Full Moon Features. Tourist Trap from 1979. Um a group of young friends stranded at a secluded roadside museum are stalked by the owner of the place who has the power to control his collection of mannequins. Ryan, have you seen Tourist Trap? I've seen it. You have? How is it, Brian? Brad? Fun? It's weird. Yeah. Okay, buddy. If I see how these all together, okay. and I separate them, it's... Okay. Anyway, uh, Criterion is putting out the parallax view. Uh, and Alan J. Pakula film starring Walter. Sorry, Tourist Trap is okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Too late, Ryan. I already moved on to the parallax view. <laughs> uh, but yeah, if you want the parallax view on Criterion, you can get that shit. Um, also, um, and then on Warner Archive, um, it would be a far, far better thing to do than you have ever done if you bought A Tale of Two Cities with Ronald Coleman from 1935 on Blu-ray, courtesy of the Warner Archive. Um, and then through Kino Lorbor, we've got a bunch unloaded here. Ryan, have you seen this this list of stuff that we're getting from them this week? No, I I, I mean, I'm getting the uh, Bloody Valentine steelbook and Freaky. Okay. Uh, what's Kino bringing out? Kino, Kino has got your back in a movie that's in 3D called Wings of the Hawk. Uh, nice. with, Van, with Van Heflin and Julia Adams. Uh, they've got Charles Lawton and Ella Raines in The Suspect from 1944. Um, they've also got So Evil, My Love from 1948 with Ray Milan, Ann Todd, and Geraldine Fitzgerald. Uh, and then Jazz on a Summer's Day from 1959, which features Anita O'Day, Louis Armstrong, Mah- Mahalia Jackson, Jerry Mulligan. If you want to check that out, you can. Uh, and actually, I might as well because this movie is basically a documentary. It's the highlights from the 1958 Newport Jazz Festival. So that sounds pretty fucking dope. Um, and then Kino Lorber is also putting out The Hills One Red. Thomas Hunter, Henry Silva, Dan Durea. Uh, at the end of the Civil War, the Confederate soldier Jerry Brewster is jailed for a heist engineered by his buddy Ken Siegel, uh, who escapes with the loot and builds quite a fortune for himself. Upon his release five years later, Brewster realizes he's been double-crossed and he vows revenge. He teams up with a stranger named Getz uh, to brawl and shoot his way through Siegel's henchmen and finally settle the score with his old partner in crime. Uh, yeah, you want to check out a, a 60s West, late 60s Western, there's your goal. Um, and then uh, let's see. Uh, Arrow is putting out something called the El Duce Tapes from 2019. Uh, has a guy with a hood on. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This seems weird. Um, uh, the, oh, it's about El Duce the lead singer of the notorious shock rock band, The Mentors. I have no idea of any of this, but uh, looks interesting, I guess. Um, and then I think this is the cream of the crop of this week, guys. Beach Babes from Beyond 
1993. There is no synopsis for Beach Babes from Beyond, but the cover uh, is three women who are rather buxom and or um, alluring uh, in bikinis. Uh, and it's from Full Moon Features. So Did I, did I make fun of this it. like two weeks ago already? Uh, you, you might have, but there's no synopsis for it now. So that's what makes me wonder if this is the same thing you were talking about or not. I don't know. I, I swear we talked about it and then I saw it out. I don't know if we were talking about it in passing or that it also was coming out and then it got delayed or something. Maybe it did. Oh, and also you can get 13 hours on 4K or whatever. And that's Blu-rays. We watch movies throughout the week in a segment I call What We've Been Watching. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. Brad, what you been watching this week? Uh, not a lot at all, really. Um, I rewatched the Those Who Can't, three seasons of that, and I've talked about that before. I've been going through C-Lab, which, interestingly enough, is uh, C-Lab 2021. Um, I've never actually watched uh, all the episodes of C-Lab, so uh, yeah, it's on HBO Max, so I'm, you know, uh, like those 15-minute Adult Swim shows, I think I feel like are better, aren't, aren't great binge watches, because you can, like, just, like, if you're working, you, you kind of gloss over really quickly, and, like, you quickly miss the episode, so, uh, but it makes me nostalgic for, like, you know, staying up and watching Adult Swim every night those days are gone um i I love that like the dr steve brule stuff is on there i really like that hbo max has it on there now because it's really fun yeah and like stuff like tom goes to the mayor like that i don't think that was on dvd so finally get to watch that again you know tim and eric before they became tim and eric um yeah yeah um before our movie of the week, uh, the Alamo's playing Star Trek Two, they're at the con, so I checked that out again. Talked about that a bunch, so I won't do it again. Um, and the last thing that's of any note that I watched is um, HBO Max also has Bicentennial Man, which I don't think I've seen since the early two thousands, uh, where Rob Williams plays an android. That's um, a really weird movie. Is it still weird? I haven't seen it in forever. Yeah, like I like it a lot up until. He meets um, like his caretaker's great great granddaughter, and then it becomes like this love story. Um, it, it's basically like Commander Data the movie. Um, so I've seen a bunch of episodes that are basically this movie in Star Trek: The Next Generation. Um, but yeah, like I, like I forgot Sam Neill's in it. And, oh, that's like, fuck. And, yeah, and M. Beth Davids. Um, but yeah, Sam Neill, you know, he purchases the servant robot and, um, you know, for a good half of the movie, Robin Williams, or at least like, I, 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 Oh my God. I just looked at, I, I forgot about this movie. He's, Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I think he's actually in the costume. Cause like Robin, Robin Williams is such a physical performer. Like you wouldn't want a stunt double to do that. Right. Even though you could get away with it. Um, it's based on Asimov, Jesus. Yeah, so it's uh, you know, and in like Star Trek, basically, like those writers took that story and like used it for a bunch of data stories, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like the movie is, you know, once the part where Sam Neill takes him home and like teaches him to, you know, 
well, he doesn't teach him. Like once he realizes that, uh, I forget. Uh, it's Andrew. His that robot. They named the robot Andrew. Once he realizes, like he has a spark of individuality to him, um, he manages to cultivate it. Oh yeah, Stephen Root's in it. He plays the guy who runs the corporation that makes the robots. You know, and wants to, uh, you know, take him back and uh, do experiments on like why he has the spark of individuality, and then, you know, that whole growing, like watching that robot grow, in the, you know, the family growing over time, like that's cool, but then eventually, yeah, like um, he obtains his freedom. And then Sam Neill does this terrible thing of like getting all butthurt about it and then exiling him from the house um, for like 16 years. And then after that, yeah, Andrew just wanders the earth trying to find other robots like him and then eventually falls in love with the great, great, great granddaughter of, uh, you know, one of the daughters, Sam Neill's daughters. Um, and, and like, and it, teams up with Oliver Platt to make more cybernetic uh, parts so that he can become more human. And then uh, eventually by the end, you know, tries to obtain full human status by going up against like the world council and, you know, making a case that he should be treated. I forgot that movie has a lot going on. (laughs) Yeah. Like at the halfway point, once he finally like embarks on, you know, his journey around the world, it, it kind of becomes a, a, a totally different movie. And it's like Wally, where like I enjoy the first part where he's like all alone and you know, just existing. And then once mm-hmm. it once it connects with like the greater world, you're just like, oh, okay, well hmm. guess they gotta wrap it up somehow. Right. So, and yeah, then like and it becomes the focus of like he dedicates his life to yeah, the great granddaughter. I'm like, okay, uh, that's I'm sure it was in there because it was like a holiday movie, so they had to have some kind of like some sort of love story. Yeah, yeah. So, but yeah, um, yeah. I haven't, I haven't watched that in a while. And like I said, I was like really enjoying it up until like the last half of it. So nice. And and like the CGI is like there's an effect where Oliver Platt is like holding Robin Williams's head. You know, this is early 2000s. Um, and it's just like, it's not bad for that time, but now it's it's glaring that, you know, there's like a green screen cutting off his body, you know, yeah. as, as he moves the head around. So when you have stuff like what the Avengers can do these days, you're like, huh. Yeah, it's really rough sometimes. You know, it, you almost forgive the practical, like cheesy effects from the 70s and 80s, but the CGI has not aged well in the from the early two thousands. Yeah, and like they have a uh, like vistas of uh, San Francisco that have been, you know, they add like futuristic buildings to the background that just like the futuristic buildings are so like don't have enough detail. They look like the futuristic buildings from like Star Wars Episode One, like they're mm-hmm. so glossy and covered over that yeah they don't. So that hurts a little bit, but yeah. And, and that's on HBO Max. Yeah, HBO Max. I yeah. have to watch it. I I haven't seen it probably in twenty years. Yeah, I'm trying to get through as much as like my HBO Max queue, so that like once after Justice League hits, I can like maybe suspend that subscription <laughs> yeah. for a bit. 
So, yeah. Cool. Zach? Oh, sorry, I was muted. I didn't, um, I haven't watched a lot this week either. Um, I went through um, a Jack Benny movie called It's in the Air for the presentation, and it's, it's fine. Um, I like Jack in it. I like Ted Healy in it. Nat, Nat Pendleton's always fun to watch. My problem is that, that the script is kind of like, oh, it's, 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 it's just kind of lame, to be honest. I, I just, I don't really dig the story. Jack and uh, Ted Healy play con artists who fix horse races and such, and they work their way into a scheme where they pose as experts on a hot weather balloon that's going to break some records or something. And it just, it, the whole thing ends with a big hot air balloon chase. And I wasn't, um, I didn't like it when I first saw it and I wasn't really hot on it this time around either. Mm. Watching, watching Jack's performance in it. I was like, he is, he's good in it. He gets to show a lot of emotion in it, but it kind of falls flat because he's not given much else to do. Like so it's Ted, really just blowing cold air. Yeah. Ryan, I actually like, this is one where I'll accept this pun. Cause yeah, it's, you'd think you'd, You'd, you'd think that a movie with a hot air balloon might be fun, even with Jack under those circumstances, but it's just not fun. Like, it's just, it's kind of like, meh. Ever, other people seem to like the movie, and maybe I'm watching it wrong. I don't know, but it just didn't do it for me. Mm. Um, and then uh, I went through some Jack Benny programs in order to kind of re- reacquaint myself with the television show as I'm apt to do, and those are always fun. And then I saw a movie for the first time that I ended up recording a Ballyhoo on, but it won't be out for a while. So I just, but I want to talk about this movie, Ryan, I think you'll like this. It's called the bad and the beautiful uh, by Vincent Minnelli. And it has Kirk Douglas, Lana Turner and Dick Powell. Um, and it's basically a movie about David O. Selznick, but hmm. it's not called, but they don't call him David O. Selznick. Um, yeah, because they wanted to still work in Hollywood. <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Actually, the, something I didn't mention on the episode, but I should have, was that uh, Selznick actually had his lawyers look at the film to find if, find out if there was anything lawsuit-worthy, and he, and he reported back no. Because this is really like a loose adaptation. It's based off of an article uh, that was written, um, but it's basically three, uh, three people involved in the life of this mega-producer, Jonathan Shields, uh, one's an actress, one's a director, one's a screenwriter, um, have all call- been called into the office of uh, the main financial guy of Shields Pictures. And he's asking them to consider making one more movie with the Shields guy, but they each have a reason why they won't work with him anymore. And through a series of kind of Citizen Kane-esque flashbacks, we go back and watch the life of Sh- Jonathan Shields unfold through the perspective of these three different people and uh, he actually starts off as kind of like a Val Luton type of character where he produces cheap, low budget horror movies that use atmosphere and shadows rather than actually showing a monster. And then they shift into the David O. Selznick thing where like, instead of gone with the wind, it's like the faraway Valley stuff like that. And it, it is really, really interesting. It's super melodramatic, but Vincent Minnelli, like, knows that it is and he plays with it um lana turner is amazing in it kirk douglas is really good in it 
I, I, I think you'd like it, Ryan. It's like, it's uh it's melodrama done. Correct. So it's not like it doesn't, it doesn't fall into the like eye roll territory that, that it can usually. Um, and it's Manelli, So it looks beautiful. Um, but yeah, so I would check that out if you are so interested in a Kirk Douglas movie that you may not have seen before. I've seen the movie that this is connected to, which is two weeks in another town, um, which technically contains footage from Bad and the Beautiful that could suggest that it is a uh, uh, part of the Kirk Douglas as movie producer or movie person universe, um, which doesn't really exist, but has the same team involved. It's like a duology. Um, and yeah. That's all I watched this week. Huh. Uh, Brad, did you watch um, WandaVision? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Stuff's going on in that show. <laughs> um, yeah, well, like... I mean, it's everywhere now. Um, poor, but... uh, poor DC. Like, they were first to announce that they are working on the multiverse, and then Marvel just... <laughs> they've actually executed the multiverse, so... <laughs> yeah, well, you knew it was happening. I... You know, I I don't usually comment on rumors. It's just because it gets me excited. But they're saying that uh, people have spotted Willem Dafoe on Spider-Man <laughs> set. So him coming back is awesome. But yeah, um, in this episode, it kind of goes back and forth between um, Sword and uh, Wanda and Vision. The Hex. And, yeah. yeah, the Hex. What I really love is, too, is they have... Um, like one of my favorite little things about it is when Wanda comes through the hex and she's like evil. Her her <laughs> uh, accent is back. Yeah, like it's, so, she slips into yeah. So it's kind of that she's her her losing her accent was kind of a front for uh, fitting in or whatever she was doing it for. Um, but yeah, when um, Quicksilver shows up and it's Evan Peters and not. Uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson is pretty shocking. Yeah. Um, I'll be watching next week. They got me. Yeah. And uh, there's, I was reading online that they're, they've already pitched a Jimmy Woo special agent show. Yeah. Where he, uh, this one guy said he should have him go around just random things in the Marvel universe and have to solve the problems. <laughs> like I'm, yeah. I'd watch that show. An X-Files version of the Marvel. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah. WandaVision's uh, pretty great. Because something's going on in that world, and she might not be in complete control, even though she thinks she is. Um, it's going to be interesting what they do. Yeah, Only this, th- this is the episode where uh, Catherine Hahn's like, Sh- "Should I start over?" You know. Yeah. So like Catherine that's... Hahn is uh, her name's Agnes. There is a Doctor Strange villain called Agnes, who also is in Vision and Scarlet. So we'll see. Interesting. Yeah. I also like yeah. love that it was. Uh, for the 80s episode, it was Family Ties. Yep, like the, the opening credits were great. Yeah. It's a, it's a very interesting show. And what's really cool is uh, during the Super Bowl, they announced uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier drops, I think, March 19th. So yeah. it's yeah, pretty fun. much as soon as WandaVision's over, um, Falcon and Winter Soldier is going to be on. Because um, there's four more episodes of WandaVision. I get like a, a nice guy's vibe out of <laughs> that show where it's yeah. a buddy it cop. Fun. Thing where they're just kind of constantly at each other's throats. Yeah, it's, it's like, it seems like it's an action adventure kind of buddy comedy thing. Yeah, yeah, excited. Um, yeah, I didn't watch hardly anything this week either. Uh, I watched Innocent Blood, 
which is a John Landis film um, that was put out by Warner Archive a few years ago. But um, sometimes if I don't know the film, and I mean, Archive usually does a great job with them, but I'll wait till they're, you know, six, seven dollars. And Innocent Blood is about a woman who's a vampire and she uh, takes out gangsters. And so she makes it look like that they're just part of a gangster hit. So no one knows that she's a vampire. Um, And she gets kind of mixed up um, with an undercover police officer. And she's, um, so in this world, once you're bitten, uh, you can be killed and you won't turn into a vampire. And she does that on purpose. So there's no other vampires running around. And so she kills the head of this mafia family and, uh, she's scared, uh, chased away before she can kill him. So he becomes a vampire and then starts turning all his goons into vampires. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a pretty fun movie. Like I had fun watching it. Uh, it's really violent. <laughs> there's, there's nudity. Um, it's definitely, I think it came out in 1990, but it has a definite late 80s feel to it where the gore is really over the top. And um, when she bites someone's neck, she bites it and she rips their shoulder off. You can see the flesh and blood like spewing out. So it's pretty sweet. Um, and yeah, it, it's, a, it's a pretty fun movie. It doesn't reach the heights of an American werewolf in London, but um it was a fun watch. I had a lot of fun watching it. And uh, the only other thing I watched was uh, from Scream Factory is The Guardian, which is directed by William Fredkin, who did Fredkin. I forget how. I don't even know how Friedkin. Friedkin. Who did The Exorcist. Friedkin? Pretty sure. I think it's Friedkin. That sounds right. It's Friedkin. Um, yeah. He, uh, this was his next horror film, which is, I think, 10, 12 years after The Exorcist. Maybe even longer. Um Anyways, it's about this family that uh, moves into this home and they pick this lady to be their nanny. And she's actually some sort of witch or kind of thing. And she moves into families that have really young children. And while their blood is still pure, she sacrifices them to this tree that's in the forest. Um, And this movie, too, has like lots of violence in it. And it's really weird uh, in a kind of cool late 80s thing. Like there's wolves that rip people apart. The tree comes to life and knocks people's heads off um, and rips arms off. It's uh, it's fucking insane. Have Zach or Brad, have you ever seen The Guardian? No, no but I'd like to check it out. I need to see Innocent Blood, too, because... Um... I, I'm I'm on I'm due for a rewatch of American Werewolf in London, so I might do a double pair with that. Uh, if you want, I have an extra copy of Werewolf in London. If you, you want, you gave it. me you gave me one. Remember? Did I? Okay, a long so I time ago. It. I already yeah. gave it to you. Okay, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Guys, we've we've been doing this show so long we can't remember what's what anymore. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So I mean, it's fun. It's really kind of silly, and the acting isn't that great in it, but you're not really there for the acting. You're there for the naked woman and the over the top violence, right? <laughs> this yeah, movie has that so. in spades. <laughs> I mean, it's it, not, it's like, just, what year is this from? 89, 90. I don't remember. Um, okay. It's just really bizarre, but it's like in a fun way. Like both of these, I mean, innocent blood, I think is better, 
but um, <laughs> it's funny. I always, when I rate movies on Letterboxd and uh, I see other people rate them that are my friends, uh, Henry gave Innocent Blood, I think, a half a star. So I don't think he was a fan. Um, but I, I liked it. Uh, the Guardian, too, is fun. Uh, they're both really fun movies. I think Innocent Blood's a little better. Um, but if you want to watch 90, early 90s horror with nudity and super cool practical effects then i would definitely watch these movies because they have them right on. they're fun well you know me ryan i'm down for a fun time heck yeah uh this week on real nerds we watched the movie the little things zach should people watch the little things i have no idea um <laughs> uh i'm i I think I might be a little higher on the film than you guys, but not by much. Um, uh, if, if we're going by letterbox ratings, cause I like the performances in it. I was intrigued for the first half of the movie. And then I feel like it goes off into the rails and tries to be way too ambitious for itself. Um, I appreciated seeing like a run of the mill, cop thriller detective thriller kind of movie that you don't really get anymore unless it's like true detective or something in a series realm but i don't feel like it holds up to anything i've got some questions but we'll we'll get into it in spoiler territory so i don't know if you can have it on hbo max maybe that's where you need to watch it i i I hate to say that because the It'd be cool to say, like, go see this in a theater, but maybe you should either way just to support it. But Brad, should people watch the little things? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I was not into it. Um, and it's not fair that, you know, I was started out wanting one type of movie where there's an actual mystery to be solved. Um, and this movie abandons that. And so I'm just left frustra- frustrated wanting to solve the case and then not getting that. Uh, but I don't know if that's the movie's fault. Um, it might just be my own. So, yeah, I don't know. I just don't. It's it. Zach's right. The performances are great. It's just like, I just don't know what to get out of it. Wait a minute, Ryan. Before you tell us about what you thought about the little things, Corinne has some thoughts of her own. Hey, nerds. Corinne here. Sorry I couldn't make it on the episode this week, but I did want to let everyone know what I thought of the little things. Overall, I was kind of unimpressed with the movie. Granted, it's been a week since I've seen it, or over a week since I've seen it now, and it hasn't really stuck with me that much. It's just kind of like a, you know, you sit down, you watch it, and it's like, it's enjoyable in the moment, but it doesn't really, like, stick out in your mind. At least it didn't for me. And uh, I think part of that was the, the marketing. They focus a lot of the trailers and the TV spots on the investigation into Jared Leto's character, and that doesn't happen until the latter part of the movie. And that part of it was more interesting. Um, And the end, I think, had... um, The ending was was interesting, because I was like, okay, like I see what they're trying to do. I don't know. It just felt like... It felt like I was watching Seven, but where the ending hadn't been spoiled for me. And also kind of more boring. So like a more boring version of Seven that I didn't know how it was going to end. And I was kind of waiting for some kind of like big twist to happen. And it kind of didn't come at any point. I mean, they do have like some kind of little like 
here's a question of like, was this right or was this wrong sort of thing? And I was like, eh, I guess it's fine. I don't know. I was just, I remember I watched this one TV spot that made it look like Denzel Washington's character was the killer. And I was like, so is this going to be like one killer hunting another killer sort of thing? And I guess I was just really disappointed with how that panned out once you actually see the movie. I don't want to spoil it too much, but anyway, it's. I just feel like the marketing kind of ruined the movie for me. Maybe if I'd had no expectations going in, I would have been better with it, but I just, it like I said, hasn't really stuck out to me as being good. It hasn't stuck out to me as being bad either. I guess it was just like really slowly paced especially that first half. I was just like, God, are we going to get to anything here? Just waiting for Jared Leto to show up. Probably the only time I'll ever say that. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it's just not bad, not great, just there. So that's pretty much how I feel about it. The little things. So interested to hear what you all think of it and uh, hope you all had a good week. Bye. Thanks, Corinne. I really enjoyed the part where you agreed with me on everything. Ryan, what did you think of the little things? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I think the movie's actually kind of meh. Uh, it, not really anything happens in it. <laughs> and they, I don't know. It's, it's okay. The performances are great. I think it's shot really well. Um, but there's <laughs> some of the, some of the script is just really stupid. And, it's hard sometimes to get over that. I mean, it helps that all the actors are really great in it. But, yeah. Uh, here's a trailer you... for... I'm sorry? I'll say it after the thing. All right. Here's a trailer for the little things. You know him, didn't you? Then you had that one little feeling. But you waved it away. You should have listened to that one little feeling. Just like I'm listening to you now. You can talk to me. I'm all a friend you got. You're not exactly a department favorite. Things probably changed a lot since you left. You still got to catch him, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that much has changed then, right? <laughs> I can assure you all we are taking a 24-7 all-hands-on-deck approach to these cases. Guy's a shark. If he stops, he dies. He likes to drive. Probably has a decent car, maybe two. High mileage. He must really like my car. I do. How's the truck space? Something I gotta know. How's a guy with the best clearance rate in the department work 15 years without a promotion? Maybe I didn't go to the right church. When I look in your eyes, what I see... It ain't good. He knew all the details, but he wasn't within 10 miles of the killing. Why is that? Why is that? How's the trunk space? What do you want? I want to nail the bastard. For who? For all of the girls he killed. 
I want to nail him too. Difference is, I'm doing it for me. It's the little things, Jimmy. It's the little things that rip you apart. It's the little things that get you caught. The Little Things involves uh, a serial killer in Los Angeles and Denzel Washington plays a guy named Deacon who used to be part of Homicide, but after suffering a heart attack and being on a case that worked him basically to death, he's now in some rural county out in California. Kern County. Um, Yeah, but uh, then he's drawn back in when he goes to pick up some evidence from a crime lab and he when this killer starts striking, he decides he's going to help um, Los Angeles, I guess. And uh, I forget Rami Malek's character's name. Um, Detective Malek. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, he's in it. And then Jared Leto plays some weird guy. And That's he's prime the prime suspect. Yeah, he's a prime suspect. And it's basically them trying to get him to confess or find evidence that he was involved in the crime. And yeah. that's the movie. <laughs> yeah, so, so like, this is, this is why I feel like this movie has more than one or 500 issues is because the first half starts off like a procedural, which that's kind of all I wanted. I just wanted like a nineties kind of crime thriller that, they could kind of dig themselves into and just have some fun kind of like, you know, um, uh, like, um, like the, the Alex cross movies that Morgan Freeman did or, um, anything Denzel Washington did in the nineties that was in this realm. But like, I don't, I don't know what the point is of trying to make a movie that tries to hit the same thematic realm as Zodiac when we already have the movie Zodiac, because literally the ending of the movie to me suggests that it doesn't matter who did the crime or if he was innocent or guilty. It's about their obsession. I'm like, but you didn't earn any of that. I don't feel like you earned any of that at all. Um, This movie is really uh, the Harvey Dent part of the dark Knight story. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's, it's the Joker trying to tear down Los Angeles's best, cop and he succeeds at it yeah i guess yeah, well, so and then there's just parts of it that i thought were so dumb you know that until you got to the um the end of the movie where the twist is where everyone was mad at denzel washington for having a heart attack or something like what the fuck well well but they but they but they <laughs> they just they justify their hatred of them because they all clearly know that he that he shot this girl who was in the woods in the time to- at the time when they found two of the bodies. And then the coroner just t- pulls out the bullet and says, uh, death of multiple stab wounds, which like Ryan, like, doesn't that like it, I didn't see that she had been stabbed. It just seemed like she was just wandering around in the woods and got shot. I don't know if she was like a victim of the killer or whatever, but like, you can't just like ignore a gunshot wound in the middle of an no. autopsy, right? Like that just seems no, that, that just makes it seem that this there's this cover up that police have between 
every single department of it. I just, that's why I'm just like, why? Like, I mean, like, okay, like, you know, like, I mean, granted that there are fudging of police files and such that we've, you know, that we've all heard of in one time or another, but like this one just seemed like super obvious, like, no, 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 no. You can't cover up stab wound with gun wound. Well, that too. And if I was an officer on scene with another officer who accidentally shot somebody coming out of the woods, uh-huh. uh yeah, you would not cover for him. Yeah. And, and, you know, it's... I mean, don't <laughs> cops have, like, a ton of immunity for that stuff anyway? Like, what is he afraid no. of? No. No? No, you can't negligently discharge your firearm and not be held accountable for it you we and there's actual um there's actually uh statues in well in colorado that says you have a duty to report and if you don't report it then you are held to the same standards so you can be charged with a crime too Mm -hmm. which is a felony um so it's just like that stuff's really annoying and then two (laughs) where he said you know and i usually don't let my professional life get involved with movies because i don't care because then i could never enjoy lethal weapon but um but that's fun what is this (laughs) yeah you know where he says give me five minutes alone in his uh, apartment well there's a thing called the constitution and if you go into someone's apartment and you find evidence and then you try to use that in a case against them they're going to throw it out because you obtained that without a search warrant or probable cause yeah, so, it's it's like the same kind of like legalities that allowed Freddy Krueger to get away with his killings in Springfield Slasher. Like, what, what, what even, the, even Freddy's thing that doesn't matter because no, no, it doesn't. But you know what I'm saying, right? Like, it's just like there's so many tiny things. Yeah, hey, because you guys, it's it's the little things. <laughs> you wouldn't be able to enter someone's house if a judge didn't sign the search warrant. Yeah, it because it, then you violated his rights before that even happened. So. And, and also, Ryan, I've got I've got a question, uh, Mister Policeman. He, so he works in Kern County, uh-huh. and they're in LA County. Now, yep. if Zodiac taught me anything correctly, it's is that one inter county cooperation is kind of like a, a rarity. But two, um, he's on vacation taking sick days. Why is anybody allowing him around the Rami Malek character? Like, isn't it where you just go like Denzel? You're not well, even allowed to be a foot within this guy because he's well. Technically, you can ask for help if he's an expert, and he's in Colorado. Okay. You are, even though I work for a certain jurisdiction, I'm a certified peace officer throughout the whole state. Okay, so, so you can, so he could be a consultant, I guess. Yeah, like um, let's say you're an expert on something, you can be called into a trial as an expert because of who you are. Okay, and help an investigation, so. Uh, Justin, uh, I don't want to say where I work, but like in my area, um, I don't have, because my department's small, we don't have a sex assault team. Mm -hmm. So we go uh, through our county and the county next to us. Uh, We have a, what's called an interagency agreement where we will help them with their stuff and they can help us with theirs. Okay. Um, You can do that and you don't have to sneak around getting records um, because you can actually get any record you want to um, all police records are um, public. The only thing that they would ever take out of them are sensitive material, like uh, juveniles or uh, victims addresses. But right. so then, other than that, you can get any file you want. 
Yeah, so then, like, so unless this was a 90s thing, him pulling up the file was, like, this big favor? Or, like, I don't... Yeah. I, I don't no, know. And even then, like, it, so was, I can get anything. I can call another agency and ask for it, and they'll send it to me. <laughs> it, it, it was set in the 90s, by the way. Yeah, yeah. that's... that's oh, the... and another thing about that, usually I don't care about uh, mistakes in films too much, but there's kids in a convenience store playing Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat came out in 1992. Just really bugged me. And also, the ending was just so unsatisfying. It was, it's, it's, okay, like, here's the, here's my issue with the ending. Because, like, if your goal was to end this movie on the grounds of an emotional thematic climax and not necessarily like a mystery resolution, I think you kind of drop the ball because I don't, I don't, uh, the, the thing that doesn't work for me is revealing throughout the course of the movie Denzel's role in the investigation prior to him going to Kern County. And also like, there's no, there's got to be some kind of scene that extrapolates the feelings that both Denzel and Malik have being put in this situation, even though they're, they're, they, they've, they're kind of in two completely different zones when it comes to like how they approach it and handle it. I get that it's supposed to be about like letting go of mistakes, which is totally a decent story you can tell but i don't think they earned any of the ending well like i I don't think it's a story you can tell when the stakes are so high when yeah when there's a serial killer out and (laughs) it's a redemption for denzel washington like oh well these cops helped me when i accidentally killed somebody so now i'm gonna help him because he accidentally killed somebody well his wasn't an accident um you know they accidentally he hit him with the head with a shovel and killed him so we're all good yeah, but um, like, and, and like, and the what's what's frustrating is that like the there is a moment in the movie that if if it had played out a certain way, it could have saved the movie. And, but I don't know what the way is. I just know that it had to be different. But I'll get this off the bat right now. This is my favorite Jared Leto performance I've seen probably ever because he's actually and and again that's I don't know what that's saying, but um. He's fine in Dallas Buyers Club, but my point is, is that he's doing a really good job at playing that true crime buff who outsmarts the cops, even though he he knows he's never done anything. He's just like a true crime junkie, which we, yeah. which we do deal with today when you have netflix series upon netflix series about this subject so i like what that that scene where they're digging where he's digging holes and he's taunting him i don't know what way it would have needed to go but there had to be something in that scene other than rami malik killing him because you don't earn the ending like there's i don't know like i mean i i wish that the mystery had actually had stakes but it just it means that the mystery had no stakes, but you did nothing to suggest that this movie needed a, was a thematic discussion and not a pot boiler. Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but like they, 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 they're trying to be both and then ditch one of them at the last minute and it doesn't work. Um, But 
like I said, I like that scene where they're digging the holes up until that moment because there's actual tension and suspense. But then it falls short, completely short. Um, Brad, do you want to add anything? I was I was gonna say like, is is there a read of this movie where Denzel is actually the killer? That's what I thought they were gonna go with. But then Maybe. I realized the part because initially early on they like, um, you know that that scene where the girls like runs out to stop the semi. Um, um, oh yeah. yeah she, when she's, she's being, being chased. chased at the beginning. Yeah. Someone makes a comment about like how nice his boots are. The guy who's chasing her. And then like later Remy Malik makes a comment to Denzel about how nice his shoes are. But like that dude and Denzel Washington don't have the same body type. So <laughs> I, I just, yeah, it was like a false mislead or something like that. Yeah. Like it didn't mean anything. But also, it would make sense if like you know, he's constantly like he's sitting in his hotel room like obsessing over these girls. He's doing like late night uh drives around the block like looking at girls. I was like and he's also the guy who, you know, tells everyone like it, it you know, to save your ass like it's it's all in the, in the in the little things, the details. Um like he knows a lot about how to hide all this stuff and it, like infiltrate Jared Leto's pad. Like I was like, maybe he like, this is really trying to cover the fact that he is like, it, like this is movie's so smart that like if the connecting the dots is that it's Denzel Washington, but like, it doesn't make sense because he doesn't look like the guy in the beginning. Again, like I think he, I think John Lee Hancock, who we've, we've talked about his films before. He can make a good movie. I, I feel like he was trying to make a meditation on grief and regret, but he didn't really hit the mark on it like at all. Um, and I mean, and there's, he has a clear love for the genre. Cause like one thing I like about this movie is that like, it's a detective movie set in Los Angeles and it uses Los Angeles as a city, like it as a, as a character, like it knows how to use its locations and it does a really good job of it. Um, and even like the opening with her singing Rome, if you want to, which is clearly a throwback to um, the gal in Silence of the Lambs singing American Girl before Buffalo Bill asks her if she's a size 14, you know, like that, that, that he has a clear love for the genre, but I just feel like he doesn't understand how to wrap it up. Um, I appreciate that it's an original script being produced by a major studio, which clearly if it got the attention of Denzel and Malik and Leto, then clearly there's something that they saw in it that we're just not seeing, but I just don't know what it is. Yeah. It's so frustrating to have like this big mystery set up and then just not, not investigate it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think as an actor too, you're going to do a movie like that because it's an actor movie. You know? yeah. And there's not a lot of opportunities for them to do movies like this that much anymore, unless they're on a lower budget or they're being done at Netflix. So like, they're going to take that opportunity if they've got it. Yeah. You know? I mean, again, like the, the acting is great. I, find, I think it's shot really well. It's just. It, it, so I don't what? Know. It, <laughs> yeah, it's just blah. And the ending makes it blah, blah. Yeah, I was, I was sort of OK with, uh, oh, like Jared Leto was the murderer because he found the barrette while he was cleaning up the apartment. Yeah. So it was all good. But then he. The movie throws you another curve where he just bought barrettes to make Rami Malek feel better about himself. Which, which again, like, you didn't earn this meditation. You didn't earn it. Like, I, uh. 
I can't get angry at it. I, I was like, I had, I appreciated the balls on it, but it also was just like, yeah, but none of this is earned. I don't know. And yeah, Denzel's not even going to actually, like, there's still the killer out there. He's not even going to follow up on it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, yeah. There, we, we, lest we forget, this isn't just a murder that he's trying to solve from like years ago. This is an ongoing Zodiac esque murderer. So. And honestly, too, you know, that's what bugged me, too, is as a, someone in that profession just like you know what i saved this cop uh from getting anything happening to him and burying this dude who's a total innocent person fuck this serial killer and we're good maybe the point of the movie ryan was that jared leto was never innocent and i'm not talking about the character he played talking about jared leto um did you guys follow who they kept saying like his friend that put the shotgun in his mouth like I had to look it up. It was the one guy they like accused of being a pedophile early on. Yeah. Like I didn't follow that at all. I was like, which cop friend died? Cause the, the one guy from the office is still there and the other ones, uh, his boss is still back in whatever town he's from. I don't know. That was hard to follow. Yeah. yeah. The dude from 24 was still alive. <laughs> yeah. 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 I don't know. This was this. I mean, like, I will say this. It is cool to see something like that pop up from a major studio in a theater in a world where that doesn't happen that much anymore. So I will give it props for that. And sometimes maybe we need like that kind of mad movie coming out every so often to humble us. But I don't know. I don't know. You know, the thing watching WandaVision is I miss spectacle. The movie's really bad. Yeah. Um, because lately it's been drama, 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 drama. Yeah. I, I just want to see people like fight and blow shit up. I was on the fence about like I was going to go home and watch this on HBO Max, you know, for free. But I was like, it seems like the movie I, I like I need to like really just I need to focus. Like I can't work and watch it and yeah, like, give it a fair review. But now I'm like, oh, I kind of wish I just watched it at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like, I'm just paying fifteen bucks a month for something, and this seems like a movie that is designed for it, honestly. My dad let me know that it was available on HBO Max, and I was like, oh, well, I already bought my ticket, so <laughs> I guess I'll just do this. Yeah. But yeah, like, I thought I would, I would have to, like, pay attention and follow, like, the clues, and nope. It didn't matter. The most, exciting, no the most exciting part of my experience at watching this was seeing a trailer for that Benedict Cumberbatch Soviet spy movie that looks fun. So, The Courier. Looks fun. Yeah. Uh, next week, I think it's Judas and the Black Messiah. Woo! Um, but uh, we'll see. I might try to lighten it up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I wouldn't. I wouldn't blame you. I, I do want to do Judas and the Black Messiah, but like, if we need a reliever from all the, de- either the depression. Well, I mean, we had Psycho Gore Man last week. I, I, I think we're I in a healthy balance. But yeah, no, I, I'm not we'll sure see. what else is out. So yeah, we'll see. I'll let everybody know. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys. Yep. And then uh, once again, get ready for the 10th anniversary show um, for uh, Real Nerds Podcast, where we will be talking about the 100. We will suss out the 100 top films uh, from the main reviews that we've done over the years. It will be fun. Yeah. Uh, It looks like the Alamo's getting Willy's Wonderland this weekend. Oh, shit. What's Willy's Wonderland? Uh, Nicholas uh, Nicolas Cage, Cage fighting animatronic robots. What? 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 Yeah, please. 
There's only one showing at nine, so get those tickets. Uh, what day? Uh, wait, that's just Friday. Saturday. Let's see here. Land also comes out. Uh, there's a Saturday show at nine. Uh, if, and, if, the, if the convention's done on time. Shit. And a Sunday at 8.45. Oh, I can do the Sunday one. I'm torn. Do I want to to record and archive my love of Jack Benny or do I want to watch Nicolas Cage fight animatronic <laughs> robots? This is tough, guys. This is fucking tough. <laughs> well, let me know if you choose the uh, 8.45 Sunday and I'll wait. Yeah, yeah. let me uh, see what time Laura is off that day. And if she is for sure, then I'll definitely do that one. Cool. I'll 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 keep you guys posted. Cool. And if and if not, maybe yeah, I don't know. We'll figure something out. But cool. Cool. Alright. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Drafthouse in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.